This is the podcast version of the YouTube series, From Here to the Stars, which is created by the Interstellar Research Group. I am your host, Stephen Ewan Cobb. Our guest today is Allison M. McGraw, a graduate research assistant at the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory of the University of Arizona. She is currently working toward her doctorate in planetary science and geoscience. I have the pleasure of interviewing Allison M. McGraw, a graduate research assistant at the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory of the University of Arizona. She's currently working toward her doctorate in planetary science and geoscience. Welcome, Allison. Hi, thank you, Steve. Thank you for inviting me in. I am enjoying the fact that I get to meet with so many folks remotely and uh, pushing forward to the new hybrid lifestyle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I understand you're involved with the 2021 Symposium of the Interstellar Research Group. You are organizing and running the art show. Tell us about your plans for the art show, if you would. Yes, this year we're coordinating with the Interstellar Research Symposium. And this is to go along with our theme of space travel. So the title is The Art of Planetary Science 2021 Space Travel. This is the eighth year of the installation of the Art of Planetary Science. And this is a completely graduate student led, organized, and all done essentially uh, by the Lunar and Planetary Lab. We asked our department for some funds and put together a large gallery hybrid show that's also a public outreach event. Each year we have about a thousand attendees that show up. We turn our entire atrium of the Lunar and Planetary Lab at the University of Arizona campus into an art gallery where we have about a hundred artists and anywhere between two to four hundred pieces of art displayed. It's all space themed art under two large categories that's really the foundation of the show, which is data art and fine art. We hope to inspire anyone who looks at space and thinks about it to create art in any media, any format of any level. So we really do see it all. We see totem poles to temperature scarves, to jewelry, to music videos, um, you name it. We kind of get anything and everything, all space related, whether you're using actual data collected from something in space or on Earth, let's face it, Earth is a planet too. Uh, we accept that in, again, any sort of format. And then fine art, if it's not necessarily from data, but still inspired by something from space, we encourage anyone to submit under this category. So I get the pleasure of leading this as a graduate student. This is gonna be my third year and final year as a lead because as we have many volunteer positions as graduate students uh, running the department events, we kind of have to pass the torch. And so I'm training other graduate students as I was trained in the past. My first involvement was as an undergraduate, which I can talk a little bit more later uh, with the art show. But each year we run this show and look forward to the engagement between scientists, artists, and then the greater community, of course, with the new online hybrid lifestyle. Last year, we did our show completely virtual, what I called a virtual odyssey. And we had the most amount of submissions from around the world. We had the most attendees in the sense of the most amount of people clicked on our website. We had almost 6,000 people actually view the art versus about the 1,000 that's physically here in Tucson that we see. And in addition to making the art, running the show and passing the torch, of course I do my research, which I'll also dive into a little bit later, but I enjoy making art from data myself. Um, and that's what inspires me to be a part of the show. 
And then, of course, with the space travel theme, we're able to kind of connect broader with the symposium attendees who will be here in Tucson and inspire them to come view the art. We've also hoped that some of them will submit art, perhaps data art or visions that they see for space travel. Uh, but I've yet to see if we have any symposium attendees uh, submit the art, so that'll be fun to watch. We've, we still have about one month until August 15th, 2021, that we're accepting art submissions. Mm -hmm. Okay. You mentioned data art. That's a new term I've never heard before. Uh, is this modified data, or is it data, I mean, a painting from data, or, or what exactly does that mean? Yes, that's a great question. It's almost exactly as you asked it. It can be the data itself that you might have put on a certain medium or maybe repainted, um, of course, as public uh, data uh, that comes from NASA, us taxpayers fund, you know, the collection and the data acquisition from NASA. You might not realize that less than 1% of all your tax dollars go to the federal agency, NASA, and that's what actually allows it to be a huge public availability. So you could go on the nasa.gov website, you might see images of the moon or other planets. I've got some, of course, behind me here. Mm -hmm. um, you might take these images and cite them, of course, just as we would do with our uh, writing or when we use anything that's publicly available. We cite our sources, but what you're allowed to do is create whatever inspires you from these um, images or physical things in space, if you will, if you want to recreate it. If it's something that's um, really translated from the physical reality into uh, your art. And then the fine art is kind of the catch-all. Well, maybe you look at the moon and you love the way it looks and you write some poetry. And so it's still space art, but it's not necessarily a, a physical part of the moon. Um, and kind of broad between the two. We have a lot of artists that might say, you know, I, I painted Tycho Crater on the moon. Is that data art? And I say, if you followed the scale size and how you see it um, and the ratio of how the, the Tycho crater might be on the surface of the moon, realistically, I would call that data art. But we always encourage uh, folk to email and ask us when they're submitting um, if they're uh, confused because there's some, there's some broad areas where you might think, well, I'm creating something physically, but is it truly data art? Um, and then for my own uh, submissions, I'll create some of these little asteroids and I've never made a true physical asteroid in space, but I submit it as fine art. But if I was to create, say, the real asteroid Vesta, I would submit it as data art since I use the real physical sizing and scaling of it. Oh, and okay. it is kind of a new term, um, and it's I think it's trending. Hopefully we can set the trend here. I'm seeing more and more um, scientific art displays, especially with online um, kind of capabilities. We've had... University of Florida even spin off of our art show and create their own local space art show. So we think data art is trending. When the mysterious black ships arrived, they devastated humanity's peaceful space settlements and obliterated their populations. Earth appears defenseless against the mysterious marauders. Two of humanity's finest starship captains must push themselves to the brink to save humanity from total annihilation by an enemy that will not identify itself or reveal its motives. Together, they will plumb the scientific wells of existence where the primordial knot of space-time may be unraveling. The Space-Time War by Les Johnson and BaneBooks.com Okay, okay. Um, my understanding is that uh, all photos that are taken by NASA are under public domain, but um, other space agencies, maybe uh, ESA or whatever, 
they're not necessarily under the public domain. Can you clear that uh, clear that up for us? Yes, exactly. I think the uh, structure here in the United States is that it's completely taxpayer funded and and perhaps with other space agencies, they have more private investment and perhaps that's where um, that kind of changes the structure of it. If you go on the NASA website, they'll have the exact citing for you and it's quite simple. It's usually um, NASA slash whatever the mission is, say it's a, um, we're in the Apollo celebration month here when we had the first men step on the moon 52 years ago yesterday. Um, but it'll, if you have an Apollo image, you know, you say maybe NASA slash Apollo 12 slash whoever took the photo. So it's not very long as far as citing it if you want to use it within creating art or just even posting it on your own social media, etc. With the European Space Agency, ESA, I've seen similar type of um, sites. So you could go to the ESA website, you can download, for instance, one of my favorite ESA missions was to the comet Rosetta, or sorry, to the um, 67P, I believe is the name of the comet, but the mission is named Rosetta. And you can download the image of the comet and do the same thing. It'll say ESA, Rosetta, and then maybe the instrument that took the actual physical image, and then maybe the scientific person. Sometimes these images are already reduced for you, um, Mm -hmm. and they'll say the person that maybe modified the image or just even extracted it and made it into a readable format. Mm -hmm. Um, So ESA, I'm a little more familiar The other space agencies are kind of new and upcoming. We have the Chinese Space Agency. Um, Unfortunately, the NASA employees and our structure here in the United States, um, you're actually not allowed to collaborate with the Chinese Space Agency. Hmm. So I don't know a whole lot about them. Uh, The Japanese Space Agency, JAXA, I see similar type of sightings. So there must be some crossover. Maybe they're government funded as well, but maybe some private as well. Mm -hmm. But I'll speak to the private since that's also kind of happening. We had of course, Jeff Bezos in space yesterday as well. And although he might get harped on quite a bit, we have to remember that government funded agencies are actually in the grand scheme of science, kind of the newer. It kind of takes rich entrepreneurs to fund big science. We think of the Carnegie's and the Palomar people of the world. I mean, there used to be a lot more billionaires that spent money on science. Of course, that's a different ratio now for the amount of people on earth that are billionaires that then also contribute to science. Um, so even though he's getting harped on, you know, um, we kind of need rich people going and uh, spending money on space um, in addition. Um, and I don't know how that will look with citing, you know, do you, do you cite Jeff Bezos when he starts taking your Amazon package in space? I don't know. Um, that's a different ball game. There'll have to be a lot more like space law. Um, but I will say space lawyers are a job that you can have. So I think we're going to need a lot more space lawyers soon. I feel that okay. coming. Maybe there'll be some citing uh, and... Uh, um, other issues to think about, especially trash in space, but that's a whole other problem. <laughs> okay, okay. Talking about Jeff Bezos going into space the other day, I read, now it was a YouTube video, somebody put up um, that he had uh, wasted a lot of money by throwing it into space as though it was not spent on jobs here on Earth, you know, supporting families. <laughs> and I hadn't heard that argument since the 60s. I mean, it was like, you know, that's, it's, you know, some people don't understand economics, apparently. Yes, and um, and I've worked public outreach, and it sounds like you have as well, running telescopes and showing the public the night sky. And, you know, um, maybe that's happened throughout time where there's, there's just a lack of understanding about what space exploration is and, like, kind of the push of humanity. 
and that it gets overprinted with a dollar sign. But yet again, NASA is less than 1% of every tax dollar. I mean, the U.S. military budget's 33%. And so we, if we were to try to break down numbers, you know, if, if the government just decided to spend 3% on the people out of that 33%, that'd go a long way, right? We do a lot with less than 1% at NASA, and it gets harped on, and then you've got the rich guy Jeff Bezos doing this on the side, but it's still not even that much money in the grand scheme of, of what's spent. And it gets muddled out, um, unfortunately, of why are we spending so much money in space? Because it's such a, uh, a bright, shiny thing, right? It's a rocket launching off. And so um, sometimes we forget that we're spending money on a lot of other things too. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I get, you know, the, the empathy of, you know, maybe we should fix Earth or whatnot. Um, there's sort of that emotional side of things. But there's also like the push for human. I mean, the reason that we can connect so remotely and use our iPhones if we wanted to be on Zoom is because we put people into space without anything digital. I mean, right, the Apollo guys, it was all analog, all moving tiny parts and ones and zeros. And we got people to the moon and that's what allowed tiny computers to show up then on Earth. And so sometimes it's e so easy to overlook as you sit on your tiny computer and get mad at stuff, you know, um, that kind of the push within space has kind of done a lot for us in the past 52 years. I mean, that was only 52 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. um, so kind of cool that he uh, chose yesterday, I guess. Maybe that was a profound day to put another few humans in space. Um, but anyway, not to go on too long about that, but we kind of need rich people going off into, into space. Um, and yet again, my side of the art show is that we want people to be inspired by space no matter what it is, whether it's a little clay model that you like to make or rockets or you like the actual planets or imagining distant things or you know just the there's a lot of folk that just love the apollo stuff right that's a whole other side of space exploration versus using telescopes to look at galaxies far away i mean there's really a spread there so we try to stay neutral with a lot of the um industry because we kind of need people coming in um and maybe people are inspired by the more economic side of space rather than just the glory of looking at an astrophotography photo. Um, and so that's what our art show kind of captures too. And so um, I'm okay with Jeff Bezos going into space. That's all right. Okay. Okay. Um, the art show, will some of it be for purchase? Will it be auctioned? Yeah, that's a great question. So we are a free public outreach event. And so we allow these artists to submit. We don't collect gallery fees. And that's also part of the University of Arizona structure, what I call the U of A law. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't sell it for them, but what we allow our artists to do is to list it through the plaque that's uh, hung up, you know, the name of the artist, the name of the art piece, your, your typical kind of gallery um, piece set up. And what we do is we allow them to list a price right on the uh, gallery plaque itself. Since we're also hybrid and last year was completely virtually online, we do the same thing online. You go click on the art page. It will also, we give the artists the options to do prints. So for a graduate student budget as myself, you might see something like a $400 painting, but then they'll do something like a $40 print, right? Order of magnitude large, uh, smaller uh, for the prints. And so you'll also see that the art can be listed for purchasing the physical piece and then whatever scanning printing options that they've done. So both, um, there are some pieces that aren't listed for our sale at all. Um, just kind of enjoy. Some people have uh, one, one engineer who worked on uh, some of the early Mars missions here. 
he got some of the first paintings that hung up in the Planetary Science Building. And so sometimes he'll submit them. They're not for sale, but they're kind of historic for the University of Arizona. So you'll see a mixture. I would say over half of the artists list and sell. Uh, we'll also link the on their plaques if they have a website. So you can go through, whether it's an email contact or a website, and then you can purchase art. We we work as a middleman, and that's also part of the university structure. We'd be really, would be great to actually sell the art on, on site, but um, we're sort of not allowed to. Although if you pay the artist and you come to Tucson and pick it up, you, you can take it off site if you work with the artist. Um, but that's communications but strictly between who's selling it and who's buying it. But we'll work as a middleman for you. Okay, okay. Uh, will there be an art contest? Yes, it is a juried art show. We work really hard uh, to get additional professors and um, local artists uh, volunteering and helping us out. Usually we'll get a planetary science professor and an artist professor at the School of Art here at the University of Arizona. Um, this is a very large art department. In College of Science, of course, we're, we're housed in, but we really try to branch out to the other art and other departments, uh, the music department as well, because U of A has really strong arts. So we'll try to get someone over there who's a, a professor, um, artist themselves, uh, over here. And last year we also had a tree ring lab. Um, I believe she's a professor as well. So we'll try to get a few folk on campus. We also had an artist uh, that was just a local artist and not affiliated with the University of Arizona. These are the folk that look at all the art and kind of, uh, we have a very, um, not too strong of a criteria, but some simple things that we're probably uh, kind of looking for that the artists know a little bit more to look at and pick at. And then we have, let's see, I think nine cat, nine winning selections. So there's three, one, two, three for data art, one, two, three for fine art. Since we're doing the space travel theme and working with the Interstellar Research Symposium, we're trying to get uh, people inspired to do spacecraft or whether it's human go humans going to planets or, or, or robots, whatever it is, really kind of hone in on the space travel. Uh, those will be in also in one, two, three category for the special theme. We have two special satellite projects uh, this year. We'll have the kids art. And uh, so I guess actually that will be another, yeah, we're up to 12 then. That's a lot more. We, we have a lot of winning art this year, but this is the first time that we've had a, um, 18 and under focus for submitting art. We've always allowed all ages to submit. Last year we had five-year-olds from Great Britain submit, which I thought was really cool. Um, so this year is kind of a, a, a more collected view for the uh, 18 and under. So there'll be a one, two, three for kids art. And then my special satellite project to hone in on that space travel theme and sci-fi is to create a young adults writing contest for um, what I call space shorts. And so writing science fiction shorts and submitting that, we'll have one winner for that. And at the very end of the show, after it's offered online, we'll, we'll kick things off September 24th, 2021. That's the weekend of the symposium. Everything kind of opens up. We leave everything online and we allow the entire world to click on the art and vote for people's choice. And so that's a final award. So quite a few uh, kind of ways to win. We give a little plaque. I think I've got one somewhere, but this year we're hoping that we can print out maybe some 3D moons or something like that since we're a Lunar and Planetary Lab. So okay. um, some sort of little consolation prize at the end of it. Um, mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, yeah, it's all kind of juried through 
planetary professionals and artist professionals, and then I'll find someone specific at the writing center to jury our space shorts as well. Okay, sounds very cool. Um, a writing short is typically, uh, I believe, under a thousand words. Is that correct? We're keeping it kind of broad. I don't want to try to, since it already is in you know, a very broad kind of show in the way in which we structure and try to capture all levels. Mm -hmm. um, I've spoken to a few schools and writing boot camps, and I say 10 pages, but uh, whether, you know, they take that to 20 or five, it's, it's not, I haven't put a hard limit on it, I guess, let's say that. And I'm, and I'm shooting for middle school, high school, and then college, university, you know, the undergrads um, kind of range. So, yeah, you could, you could I've, I've been saying 10 pages with double spaced is, is probably a reasonable kind of amount. Um, but there is no hard limit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No upper or lower limit. There must no be a upper or lower, you know, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> happy to get. And so the submissions I got have been there about. So mm -hmm. even without the ones that I've told that to. So, um, and I'll be speaking with, uh, the Arizona state university, um, center for imagination they run a sci-fi tv dinner series and so i'm hoping to also connect even though there are quote unquote enemies uh <laughs> of a but you know they have they're very strong earth and planetary science um operations and program as well um, they work a lot with the lunar mission lrock the lunar reconnaissance orbiter and uh camera sorry finished the acronym there painful mm -hmm. acronyms i'm sorry i'm part astronomer here <laughs> Uh, I kind of consider myself my planetary geology astronomer as kind of I'm a hybrid person. But anyway, um, trying to work with them and also get some folk up to, you know, kids from Phoenix to submit. It's, it's all around the world. I've only had uh, Tucson submissions. But anyway, yeah, trying to connect and really get the word out. And I can also send anything anywhere. If anyone contacts me, we've got the short writing prompt and um, that, you know, that broad open structure as a reference for, for any students that want to kind of get their brain uh, in the writing mode. We've got okay. a little prompt for them. Okay. Um, the uh, You mentioned the art show will be physically at the university. Uh, where is the symposium located? Different venue nearby? There is. They are working. Um, I just saw the map this morning, so it looks mm -hmm. like it all will work out. Uh, there's a Marriott right where the edge of the University of Arizona ends. It's called the University Marriott. And so uh, campus is... A solid square mile. It's a very large campus. So anyone coming to the symposium, um, spend some time walking around. Um, there is also a campus arboretum. So there's trees and one special tree has actually been to the moon. Um, so we have a, yeah, <laughs> it was small, I imagine. <laughs> it's, it's big now. Uh, it went as a sapling. It went as a sapling. And so there's about 60 what are called moon trees. And we've got a big plaque. It's right outside the Lunar and Planetary Lab. So you, um, if you come to Tucson, you have to see it because it's just really cool that this moon's been to the tree or this tree's been to the moon as a as a young sapling. Um, but essentially, the attendees uh, can choose to walk between uh, where we're going to have the art show at the Kuiper Space Sciences Building. It's right on the corner of University and Cherry Boulevard. It's kind of a big iconic part of campus because there's what's called the mall, a large grass. I know it seems out of place, but here in Tucson, they love keeping the grass watered. Uh, we've got a large mall that uh, uh, goes right to the edge of campus and goes to the Marriott. So it's pretty much a straight shot um, going east and west down University Boulevard between the Kuiper Space Science Building, where I am right now, the Lunar and Planetary Lab, 
uh, going down to where campus ends, right to the Marriott. I believe they're working on shuttles, etc. but it's actually a quite nice walk. You walk by the Moon Tree, of course. You walk by the planetarium and kind of get a, a big sense of how big the campus really is. Um, so I think that is uh, let, probably something between a half and a three quarters of a mile of the walk, but uh, a pleasant walk with large trees and shade. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. But University Marriott, I think, is the colloquial term for that one. And there's also restaurants, uh, a few shopping. Um, I think there's a pastry shop also now that's pretty good. Good coffee on university. So there's resources along the way, which is pretty neat too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, this may be a little bit of a harder question. Art uh, is generally aimed at sparking an emotional response in people. Why, why is emotion important to the goals of IRG? I think the emotion is what really creates that conduit to the care. Um, whether it creates a little empathy or you just think something in space is really cool, um, that's kind of an emotional, um, I want to say attachment to it. Speaking personally, I have way too many space emotional you know, uh, attachments. Every time I see a rocket launch, I cry, you know. Um, but it's that creates that care and that, that sense of, I want to curate this knowledge. I want to pass it forward. So I assume for this kind of interstellar, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on planets. I study asteroids myself, like pretty close to home in the grand scheme of things in space. space. But the interstellar component, I mean, that's I don't want to say intangible, but it's it's we see the light coming from really distant, you know, stars, and then there's a few galaxies. If you got good eyes, you you can see Andromeda, right in the winter time. Um, that takes a lot of care uh, to or, or or emotion to care about a little tiny pinpoint of light coming from really far. Um, so I feel like we almost really need that uh, this empathy for this faraway star that probably has some planets around it and who knows if it's like or unlike Earth, but at the very least, there's a sense of that care. Um, one statistic I think about is that most stars in the night sky have planets. It's weird if a star doesn't have planets around it. And so just by these sheer odds, right, I'm like, well, there's got to be some other kind of planet that maybe is like Earth or unlike, like I said, and maybe it has oceans and maybe has microbes and maybe you're not, but you know, I still kind of have an empathy for something interstellar, um, even though that's so far away from me. So you really have to care about that. And sometimes you might not even get that sense. I mean, we don't have depth perception when we look up into the night sky, right? There's only two objects that you can see with depth perception, the moon, because of the cast of the shadows off the crater walls and the uh, mountains that are on the moon, uh, and Saturn. Right? You see the equatorial tilt of Saturn, and you get that um, shadow cast from the rings onto Saturn, uh, especially at the equinox, or at the uh, seasons, not at the equinox, when you can see it up hemisphere or southern hemis northern hemisphere kind of tilted up and down. So still even limited when you get to see depth. So I think you really have to have a lot of care. And yet again, that's why we need people to imagine space. I mean, these things are really far. And whether there's like planets uh, like Earth beyond other around other systems or not, you know, we kind of need someone to help imagine. And that's what I really like about all the exoplanet art too, is like, we kind of need someone to be thinking interstellar, especially for the textbooks. We we're discovering planets around stars every day with large surveys and even telescopes here around Tucson observe planets around other stars on a nightly basis. But what do they look like, right? We only get one pixel. You think of like when you zoom in 
to something, uh, a photo really close, and all you see is the, the pixel boxes, right? A lot of the time when we observe planets, the planet's so small and so far away that it fills in maybe a fraction of one pixel on a camera. Um, so we're really limited in what we can imagine. So we need someone to care. We need someone to maybe look at that distant light and think about it and visualize it and you know create art for us. Um, and then the other part is we can explore the solar system quite a bit, but what's the next step? I mean, the next planet over or the next star over is Alpha Centauri, four light years away. Do we send a little even if it's a tiny little laser pulsed pushed light sail that's really efficient and we just kind of keep pinging it here from Earth and it gets there in however many years because we only move at a fraction of the speed of light. But um, that's kind of the next level and we kind of need engineers and people to care about that to even advocate, uh, to convince Congress that it's important, that to do this type of exploration, to keep funding astronomy and planetary science. Which, by the way, within NASA, those are two separate things. There's astronomy, which deal with large telescopes and, and kind of the more interstellar things beyond our solar system. And there's a planetary science sector where folk like me fit in, where we study the things that are actually in our planet or in our solar system, including our planet. Um, and those are two separate things. Um, interstellar, again, is this really far away, and uh, I almost feel like it needs an extra care because. I get to look at uh, my asteroids uh, through a telescope here on Earth, um, but some things in space require, like Hubble level, a, a telescope in orbit around Earth to see beyond the atmosphere just to get that much more light, that much more data, because again, we're, sometimes we only get a fraction of a pixel. Um, so I think that was probably a long way to say, I just need people to care about really, really tiny pixels of light because um, that's kind of that interstellar level. So it, it takes someone maybe looking through a telescope or even just in your backyard looking up and thinking, oh, that, you know, that's really cool, and I wish I knew more about it. And that's kind of how I started college. You know, I knew I loved science as a kid. I always loved going to science centers. You know, sometimes there's only funding for one field trip a year, right? That one field trip to a science center. You're so excited. I remember thinking, I loved that. And going to college later on, I was looking up at the night sky. That's how it came about. I'm like, I know I love science. I knew I love rocks and was enamored by space. And I thought, I wish I knew more. And it was like a meteorite hit me on the head. It's like, you can go to school to learn more. That's the science you could do. And it was like, oh my gosh. Um, but I don't know if I would have had that at looking up at the night sky where you see mostly stars. I mean, there's a few asteroids you can see with the eye on very limited times. Now I study asteroids. It's rocks in space, but when I first looked at the night sky, it was kind of an interstellar care, you know, I was like, I wish I knew more, I mean, how far away are those stars really, I mean, they're all at different distances, but again, your depth perception doesn't help you out there, uh, so you kind of have to care to learn, um, you know, it's big calculations and big distances, but, um, you know, we need, we need people to care about calculating the distance to the next star, um, definitely. Okay, okay. <laughs> Are you a fan of space and traveling from planet to planet? Great! If you would like to get your company advertised on our podcast and video series, you can reach out to us by emailing us media at irg.space. The Interstellar Research Group has many sponsor benefits ranging from lunar to intergalactic. Be sure to mention that you would like to get your company promoted in the From Here to the Stars podcast and video series. That email address is media at irg.space. Media at irg.space. 
And be sure to check out our website, irg.space, for more information. Thank you, and have a stellar day. Um, <clears throat> if someone wants to learn more, and not just to view, but also maybe to enter the art contest, where do they go online? Yes, great question. So we have uh, the University of Arizona uh, website that's for the Lunar and Planetary Lab. And I can send over a link so it can be posted anywhere. But it is uh, lpl.arizona.edu forward slash TAPS uh, forward slash, uh, I think a dash 2021. So if you type in the Art of Planetary Science 2021, we're actually a relevant Google search. Um, oh, okay. And it all Submissions are online. So you'll go to this art show page. Again, it's embedded in within kind of our university structure and Lunar Planetary Lab. But um, no matter what, Art of Planetary Science 2021, Google search does pretty good. That'll click on the 2021 page and it'll show you exactly um, the dates, the breakdown, and then you'll go to a what we call a launch page and it'll have a click big green button right there. There's four different categories to submit for and it's all handled online through this interface. So you can do the data art, like I said, our main kind of uh, foundation, what we founded the show on, getting scientists to create art jargon-free. <laughs> uh, I've already said a lot of jargon for you guys today. Um, things said with pictures rather than jargon kind of fits in um, something physical in space that you're inspired by. Data art, fine art is kind of the catch-all. You can go click through. These are separate submissions, so you'll see them. And there'll be an explanation for each category, so you don't have to remember everything I said, of course. But you can click on the data art, fine art, of course, the kids' art, 18 and under for the first time, and the space shorts, the writing contest that I'm running. So you'll see short explanations. The prompt for the writing is also within that submission, so you can go and read about it. Accept some terms. Uh, make sure you're not, you know, plagiarizing. It'll explain all those kind of hard-lined uh, rules, if you will. It'll tell you about the resolution and the size to submit. Um, if you are interested in submitting to have the art physically displayed, we're doing a little bit of a hybrid this year. As I mentioned, we did the virtual Odyssey in 2020. Everything's offered online. You can view the art online from anywhere in the world. And then the classic way in which we ran the show, which was to deck out our atrium, as I mentioned, putting these 200 pieces of art all through the Lunar and Planetary Lab itself. Um, that is going to be the opening weekend, but essentially it'll ask you if you're interested in doing one or the other. So you'll have the option whether you want to do virtual, both, or in person, and then the physical dimensions of your art. So you'll just enter in some basic uh, kind of components about it, give us an idea of what it is. Um, like I said, we've had totem poles show up. So we got an eight foot totem pole showing up, showing up. It's nice to know. Artists are responsible for mailing their own art and also providing a return label. So if you're not in Tucson and you want to submit still physically, you can mail your art to the Lunar and Planetary Lab, um, give us instructions on how it sets up, send us a photo, of course, that'll be part of the submission. Um, so it's kind of a hybridized lifestyle, obviously, nowadays, but we're trying to be, be accommodating for uh, both sides of it. And then the hope with the interstellar research attendees that they'll be able to come and look at the physical art that is here. And then, of course, everything will be viewable online if you can't um, participate. I believe IRG is also having an online virtual component. So even if you can't attend the symposium in Tucson, 
do the symposium online so far as what I've seen and you could view our art online. So okay. uh, if you're more comfortable at home, yeah, we've got it both, but everything, no matter what, starts online with your submission. Okay, okay. Um, if people are curious about the symposium, uh, not specifically the art show, but if they wanna learn more about the symposium, they can go to irg.space for the IRG's website. And on the left, there's a menu, and one of the items is uh, Symposium 2021. They can click on and find. Yeah, I think we've had we've had cross. We follow each other on social media's accounts. I think between the Twitter, the Facebook, and the Instagram for both the IRG and the Art of Planetary Science. So we're trying to be relevant and post you know big announcements on social medias, uh, in addition to the two websites. Uh, make sure that you can you know, go to the IRG website. We'll, we'll double check that and make sure you can link to the art show as well. Um, especially when the galleries are live, um, that'll be on there. I think you can also volunteer for IRG. I think they're still looking for volunteers to help out. So if you are local in Tucson and you want to kind of get the behind the scenes, uh, I think there's some needed help there, kind of people moving and shuffling and running microphones. I will say I didn't pay for a single conference as an undergraduate. I volunteered at every single one. I got in, but, um, you know, it was also a really cool way to just to see how conferences work. Um, you know, now I'm hitting the level where I'm going to be running panels, right? I'm going to finish my thesis in two years and I'm going to be a researcher that has to do all the things that I used to run the microphones for. So, um, it's kind of a cool way if there's undergraduates or, um, I don't know if it's 18 and over per se, but you can check the IRG website. I think they made a full volunteer form on there. Um, yeah, we could use the help and also just a really cool way to get behind the scenes. You get to meet the speakers, um, all sorts of kind of cool. Uh, you get all the free stuff at the end if there's leftovers, right? Um, so anyway, volunteer if you can. Um, of course, yeah, here at the for the art show, it's all volunteer run too. Um, I think I pay them like with pizza one time. But as grad students, it's uh, uh, part of the game here, right? It's like you do okay. a bunch of cool stuff for planetary science because you love it. So mm -hmm. it's fine. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I appreciate you taking the time for the interview. Before I let you go, where do people get a hold of you and learn more about your work if they, if they wish to? Yeah, if they want to ask about work or I'm happy to do events and talk to kids like this over Zoom or in Tucson. Um, I do have my uh, website. It's a WordPress WordPress press.allison mcgraw um somehow i'm google searchable too i think that comes up pretty decently if you also go to um the lunar and planetary web website uh, you click on graduate students and you'll see me listed in the graduate students i've got my email on there my website does have a contact me form so if you want to ask if come and talking to kids or more questions about the art show you can go to yeah ask me through my contact or the art show has that uh the art of planetary science 2021 uh, page as well. That was Allison M. McGraw. This has been the podcast version of the YouTube series From Here to the Stars, which is created by the Interstellar Research Group. The IRG is a nonprofit organization dedicated to thoroughly exploring the science and engineering that can eventually open up the reality of interstellar travel. Find out more about our next symposium at irg.space. I have been your host, Stephen Ewan Cobb. If you enjoyed this video, please hit the like button, and you can subscribe to our channel for other such videos. On behalf of all of us here at the Interstellar Research Group, 
I thank you.